Welcome to Canada's National Bible Hour, a ministry of Mission Go. I'm Brian Albrecht, the President Emeritus and Director of Canada's National Bible Hour, and we are trying to reach the world for Jesus Christ. And Canada's National Bible Hour is one of our ministries to share the good news of the gospel around the world. Today our text is taken from the book of 1 Timothy, chapter 6, verse 6, which says, Now godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain that we can carry nothing out. And so we should be content with the things that God has provided. We can always look at someone else who has more properties, more material things, more wealth, bigger cars, bigger houses. We can always look at those things. But you know, the Lord has provided to us all the things that we need. We have food, we have clothing. Most of us that listen to this broadcast will have a roof over our head, we'll have transportation. God has given us a great blessing. I've had the privilege to travel to over 50 countries around the world, and I can tell you, the poorest person in North America is probably richer than 80% of the rest of the world's population. We are very blessed living in North America, and I pray that we would be contented and thankful for the things that God has provided. And as we do that, our lives will be more content. And as we do this, our lives will continue to reflect the Lord Jesus, because after all, God left the glories of heaven and he became a babe in a food trough, a manger in a stable. He came so humbly. We need to be thankful for all the things that God has provided for us. And as we do that, we'll have a thankful heart towards others and we'll reach out and try to help them to be contented as well as they receive Christ as their savior and as they start living the Christian life. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine, oh, this little light of mine. I'm gonna let it shine, this little light of mine. I'm gonna let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Won't let Satan blow it out. I'm gonna let it shine. Oh, won't let Satan blow it out. I'm gonna let it shine. Won't let Satan blow it out. I'm gonna let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Hide it under a bushel, no. I'm gonna let it shine, oh, hide it under a bushel, no. I'm gonna let it shine, hide it under a bushel, no. I'm gonna let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Let it shine, let it shine. Oh, let it shine. This is a radio edition of Global Times. Today in the studio, it's my pleasure to introduce to you two of our veteran missionaries who have been with Global Outreach Mission since 1983. We have Samuel and Ebenezer Benjamin in our studio today, and they have a ministry in India. They have an old age home, and they minister in prisons and have quite an evangelistic outreach. And so it's with great pleasure that I welcome them to 
Canada's National Bible Hour. Uh, Samuel, why don't you tell us about how the Lord led you to go into missionary service? It is a great joy to be here. Myself and Ebenezer, we were in Dubai working in a government hospital, Dubai government hospital, for many years. The Lord called us for the work of the Lord in India. And Reverend John Marr is from Baltimore. He only led us to come to Canada for Bible studies in Perry Bible Institute. And the Lord brought here for four years only, but the Lord kept us here eight years to finish our education. And after finishing all our education in Perry Bible Institute, Winnipeg Bible College, and Saskatchewan Bible College, and Canadian Theological Seminary, I took Master of Divinity. In 1983, the Lord led through a global outreach mission, and uh, we left Canada and went to India 1983 and we served in Calcutta Bible College one year and four years in Varanasi. Then 1989 onwards we are in Madurai serving the Lord. It is for His glory. We praise the Lord. Ebenezer, uh, why don't you tell us about uh, the ministry that you have at uh, the home there? Praise the Lord. Very glad to be here. And now the elderly folks home started four years ago and uh, it's all consisting of elderly folks from age 60 to 89 years and we have now 36 of them are there one who has been kicked out of their own children and um, two of them were literally on the road picked up by local pastors and they were brought to us and now every one of them are happy they are content and um, they hear the gospel twice a day morning and evening Prior meetings are there and the gospel is preached. And through this ministry, 15 of them accepted the Lord Jesus Christ and took baptism. And uh, we do praise the Lord for Global Outreach Mission who accepted the nationals to send back to their own country where we can be useful vessel to the Lord. Ebenezer, you were telling me about uh, in the compound you had some problem with snakes. Why don't you tell us about that? Our building is put up in a half an acreage and um, lately lots of snakes are found and four of them creeped inside at the premises and um, two of them are cobras and two of them are vipers. On right time we were able to deduct it and uh, it was killed and good thing it nobody was harmed. That's because we don't have a compound wall around and we needed a brick compound wall so that these snakes will not come in and bother the elderly folks and uh, praise the Lord that the Lord is under control. (laughs) Samuel, why don't you tell us about your prison ministry that's uh, quite extensive? In Madurai Central Jail, there are 2,600 inmates are there. And it is a joy to serve these people because my father-in-law, Ebenezer's wife, served there. Ebenezer's father, sorry, served there 30 years. And uh, every Saturday and Sunday, I go to these prisoners and present the gospel. And there are the 
prisoners. They kill their wife, kill their mother and kill their father and now they are crying inside. I told them the Lord Jesus Christ alone can forgive your sins. There is no one else can forgive your sins. They cry and accept the Lord as their savior. It is a joy these people come to know the Lord. Well, thanks. And I'm so thankful for the way the Lord has continued to use you over the over the years and how he's blessed your ministry in such a magnificent way. May the Lord bless you. This month, we would like to make available a booklet about prayer. Prayer is the answer is the title of the booklet for those who request one this month. This is a collection of 30 classic writings on prayer by three men whose writings have inspired Christians for generations. In this classic writing on the need for prayer and the power of prayer, we hear from John Wesley, Andrew Murray, and E.M. Bounds as they understood that prayer can be and should be an essential element of every Christian faith journey. Matthew 7, in verses 7 to 8 says ask, and it will be given to you, seek and you will find, knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be opened. To order your copy, of the booklet Prayer is the Answer, please write to, Canada's National Bible Hour, Box 1210, St. Catharines, Ontario L2R7A7, or in the U.S., Box 2010, Buffalo, New York 14231. Thank you for listening to Canada's National Bible Hour. This is a listener-supported program and we would not be on the air without the support of our listeners. Darkness and created the light. Our God is an awesome God. 
reconciled His mercy and grace He gave us at the cross I hope that we have not too quickly forgotten That our God is an awesome God Yes, we know that He's awesome message is from Reverend George Francisco and is entitled Prophetic Revelations. I know that you will enjoy this message very much. Printed copies are available upon request. I would like to turn to Psalm 45 for our talk today. This psalm is little known compared to the popular Psalm 23 or the Shepherd Psalm, yet it is full of vital truth by way of illustration. The writer idealizes a king of Israel we're not told which one, and prophetically reflects important truths concerning the coming Messiah. That Jesus should be spoken of prophetically in the Psalms should come as no surprise to any student of Scripture. Luke 24 and verse 44 records Jesus' resurrection appearance to his disciples in the upper room. And there he says, verse 44, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the Law of Moses and in the Prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. No doubt Jesus was referring to Psalm 45 as one of the Psalms that spoke of him. We can look then at Psalm 45 under the topic, Prophetic Revelations of the Messiah King and His Bride. The Psalm was likely written for the marriage of a king of Israel, perhaps that of Solomon. The Bible writer, at any rate, prophetically envisions the day in the future when the Messiah shall reign and reveals great truths about him compared to the local monarch. Let us read then some verses from this great psalm. Verse 1, My heart is indicting a good matter. I speak of the things which I have made touching the king. My tongue is the pen of a ready writer. Thou art fairer than the children of men. Grace is poured into thy lips. Therefore God hath blessed thee forever. Gird thy sword upon thy thigh, O most mighty, with thy glory and thy majesty. And in thy majesty ride prosperously because of truth and meekness and righteousness. Thine arrows are sharp in the heart of the king's enemies, whereby the people fall under thee. Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of thy kingdom is a right scepter. Verse 9, Upon thy right hand did stand a queen in gold of Ophir. 
Verse 13, the king's daughter is all glorious within. She shall be brought unto the king in raiment of needlework. With gladness and rejoicing shall they be brought. They shall enter into the king's palace. And verse 17, therefore shall the people praise thee forever and ever. This psalm could well be titled, The King, for these words appear seven times in these few short verses. The psalmist then uses the occasion perhaps of a king's marriage and envisions in comparison the coming Messiah king and is totally overwhelmed with joy and gladness at that prospect. Let us note first then the person of the king. The Holy Spirit is guiding the pen of the psalmist who says that the Messiah King, verse 2, is fairer than the children of men. The word fair can mean beautiful, spotless, unblemished, handsome, comely, pleasant, open, honest, honorable. The Lord Jesus Christ is surely the one referred to. All sinners who have made their way in repentance to the cross and found forgiveness through the sufferings of Jesus can fully appreciate the one who is fairer than the children of men. How spotless, how unblemished he was, how honorable. He gave up the glories of heaven for the curses of men and the cross, knowing that in dying for man's sin, he made an eternal redemption available for all who would accept his invitation to be saved. The hymn writer was also overwhelmed at Christ's calmliness when he wrote, Fairest Lord Jesus, ruler of all nature, O thou of God and man the Son, thee will I cherish, thee will I honor, thou my soul's glory, joy, and crown, beautiful Savior, Lord of the nations, Son of God and Son of man, glory and honor, praise, adoration, now and forevermore, be thine. Let me ask you today, is Jesus the fairest of the children of men in your eyes? He can be if you will make your way to the cross. The door of salvation is still wide open, and whosoever will may come. Then verse 2 tells us, Grace is poured into thy lips. Jesus is indeed the gracious one. His words were full of grace to those who recognized their sinfulness in his presence. How gently he speaks to the woman taken in adultery, condemned by men and the law. Jesus says, neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Gracious words to a great sinner. To the Samaritan woman who had gone through five marriages in search of something real and lasting, and was still thirsty of soul, Jesus said, Whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. She believed and received that water of eternal life, and then went and told others, Come, see a man who told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? John 4. The thirst of her soul had finally been quenched by the gracious words and the water of life in Jesus. Then verse 2 goes on to say, God hath blessed thee forever. Yes, Jesus is the blessed one. He lived every day, every hour in obedience to God, 
So God has blessed him forever and ever. There will never be another to take his place. No one can turn from the living way and find some other way to heaven. Jesus is the way. God has blessed and established him forever. He will always be God's only son and the world's only savior. Then in verse 3, the psalmist writes, Gird thy sword upon thy side, O most mighty, with thy glory and thy majesty. This speaks of the power of the king. Jesus came as the meek and lowly one, but the time is coming when he will gird on the sword. The time is coming when he will show himself to be the high and mighty one. The Messiah King is referred to as more than an earthly sovereign. For verse 6 says, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. So then he is the God of heaven, the high and holy one, the powerful one. How well these prophetic words describe the Lord Jesus. He came as the Lamb of God, the meek and lowly one. But he will come again, Scripture says, as the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the great and powerful one. In Matthew 24, Jesus describes the terrible times of the last days, and then in verse 30 tells of his coming when he says, Then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. And they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of glory, with power and great glory. Jesus is the Son of Man who will come and destroy wickedness and wicked ones. Second Thessalonians 2 says, With the spirit of his mouth, that is his word, and with the brightness of his coming. Surely that is a sword. Friends, the Messiah King has a sword, and when he girds it on his thigh, it will mean the time of judgment has come. When he comes, the sword will fall. There will be no time to repent. This is the day of grace. So come while the door is open and receive forgiveness and reconciliation while it is still offered in Jesus Christ. These thoughts are continued in verse 5 where it speaks of the king's enemies. Verse 5, thine arrows are sharp in the heart of the king's enemies, whereby the people fall under thee. Now, it seems strange to me that such a great and glorious and powerful king should have those who reject him, who oppose him, and want to destroy him. But such is the case. When Jesus, God's son, walked the earth, men opposed him. They rejected him, saying, crucify him. Why? Jesus said it's because he exposed their sins. In John 15, 22, he said, If I had not come and spoken unto them, they had not had sin. But now they have no cloak for their sin. They have both seen and hated both me and my Father. The hatred and rejection of Christ by sinful men will carry on till the end time. For Revelation 19 describes Christ coming on a white horse, verse 11, and finding armies arrayed against him. Verse 19 says, And I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against him that sat on the horse and against his army. 
and the beast was taken, and with him the false prophet. Though these both were cast alive into a lake of fire, burning with brimstone, and the remnant were slain with the sword of him that sat on the horse. Now, friends, it's not only futile to resist Christ, it's foolish. For Christ will reign as King of kings and Lord of lords. But now we want to turn for a few moments and look at the king's bride. In verse 9 we read, Upon thy right hand did stand the queen in gold of Ophir. So the Messiah king has a bride. She is raised up from her common life, whatever it was, to now be the queen. She shares in the king's glory and power. The New Testament sheds much light on this beautiful relationship. Revelation 19 and 7 says, Let us be glad and rejoice, and give honor to him, for the marriage of the Lamb is come, and his wife hath made herself ready. The Lamb, of course, is Christ, who loved the world and gave himself for it. The wife is the body of believers who have been... Uh, wooed and won, we might say, into a loving relationship with the heavenly king. In John we read, we love him because he first loved us. People then who believe God's word and receive Christ are destined to enjoy a beautiful relation with Christ, relationship with Christ for eternity. Psalm 45 reveals some intriguing thoughts. First it says, The queen is on the right hand of the great Messiah king. That is, she will hold the highest place of honor. Think of it. Repentant sinners, forgiven, changed by the power of God, are destined to stand in the highest exalted place, the right hand of Christ. Then Psalm 45 verse 9 says, The queen is dressed in gold of Ophir. This was the purest gold, the most expensive and costly, making the most gorgeous of royal dresses. Revelation 7.14 speaks of those who have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. So a gorgeous white robe of righteousness, purchased at great cost, will adorn all who put their faith in Christ. Then it goes on to say, With gladness and rejoicing shall they be brought. They shall enter into the king's palace. Verse 15. What a glorious future awaits the blood-washed believer, given the right and privilege of entering the king's palace. Jesus said, In my father's house are many mansions. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there ye may be also. John 14. Friends, whatever our lot is on earth, we are destined to be the bride of a heavenly Messiah King. What a glorious future. Let us rejoice and renew our weak efforts to live and serve for this great Messiah King, the one who's fairer than all others, the one of great power whose enemies shall fall, and whose bride we are shall be honored, dressed, and privileged to enter into the king's palace. I know that you enjoyed the message that we just heard. I trust that God will use his word in your life this week. Here at Canada's National Bible Hour, we're really concerned that people that listen to our broadcast have a clear 
opportunity to receive Jesus Christ as personal Savior. You know, the Bible teaches that there's two ways. There's a narrow way and there's a broad way. The broad way leads to destruction, unfortunately, but the narrow way leads to Christ. The problem that man has is the fact that we have a holy God and we're separated from him because we are sinners by act and by our own nature. And so therefore we need a savior. And the savior, of course, is God who became man, who went to the cross after living a sinless life and died there on our behalf. And so the gospel was really John 3:16. for God so loved, he loved the whole world that he gave. He gave us the perfect gift, the Lord Jesus Christ, that whosoever means anyone, everyone could receive Christ as our savior if they want to have a personal relationship with him, that whosoever believes in him would not perish, go to hell, but have eternal life. That's the gospel. And so every person needs to know Christ personally. And you do that by asking him to come into your life. And you can bow your head and say a simple prayer and ask Jesus to come into your life. And the Bible tells us that if you're sincere and if you act in faith, you believe that Christ died for your sins, that you will be saved. Remember to order your copy of the booklet Prayer is the Answer. Please write to Canada's National Bible Hour, Box 1210, St. Catharines, on L2R7A7 or in the United States, Box 2010, Buffalo, New York, 14231. Thank you for listening to Canada's National Bible Hour. This is a listener-supported program and we would not be on the air without the support of our listeners. If you, your friends from church, or family members are interested in more information about short-term or career ministry opportunities, or seeking someone to come to your church, or a group to speak about international missions, please call 866-483-5787 in Canada or 888-900-5048 in the United States or on the web visit www.missiongo.org. So we can share more information.